You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Would you take your Bibles, please? We're going to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And we'll be reading verse 13, starting there, going through verse 16. No doubt you may have memorized these verses. Maybe uh, you are just uh, very familiar with these verses. Uh, It's uh, included in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gives here, starting in chapter 5. But in verse 13 of Matthew 5, the Bible says, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Heavenly Father, Lord, I I do ask that you would bless now in these few moments that we have together on this Sunday morning. God, I thank you for those that are here in attendance this morning. I'm thankful for those that are watching online uh, through Facebook or YouTube, uh, through our website. Thank you uh, for those that uh, are listening by way of radio on 95.9 FM. God, I pray that this morning may you help us to understand your word, and not only to understand it, but to apply it and to receive it uh, in our lives. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Just to give a little bit of introduction, a little bit of setting here to get where we are today, uh, we have Jesus who uh, just called his first four disciples. We've got uh, got, uh, Peter, and we've got Andrew, and we've got James and John who were fishing uh, one day uh, on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus comes along, and Jesus says two words, follow me. And those men there, they dropped their nets, and they followed Christ. No questions asked. And then Jesus continues to go with his disciples there throughout all the land of Galilee, teaching, preaching, healing the sick. And as he was doing so, it it wasn't soon before everybody knew who Jesus was. There was a fame that went out throughout the land that this healer has come. And now we find this great multitude that begins to follow Christ. And as he sees the multitude here in chapter 5, the Bible says that Jesus goes up into a mountain with his disciples, kind of get a a vantage point, if you will, and uh, and he starts to preach to the multitude. And we have here uh, Jesus' longest recorded message of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Through this Sermon on the Mount, we see uh, the the emphasis of Christ's moral teachings. What is good? What is bad? What is acceptable? What is not acceptable? And uh, what is sin? What is not sin? And so as we look through this Sermon on the Mount, we're focusing on one particular part. And Jesus here gives uh, a classification. Uh, he, He gives us some objects that He says that we as Christians, as followers of Christ are to uh, be in this world. Number one is salt, and number two is light. 
And I just so happened to have some salt and light with me this morning. I uh, went to good old Food Lion around the corner, got for $1 this big thing of salt right there, some Morton salt. And I've got this lantern right here, and I'm not going to open it all the way because I would probably blind half of you, especially those sitting close, but I'll just set that right there for now. Uh, that, uh, that lantern gives off light. And uh, no doubt, if I were to open it all the way, which I won't, because I, I really do not want to hurt your eyes, it's bright. I'm already half blinded by it, trying to figure out what I was uh, preaching last night and looking at the light. But uh, anyway, so we got these two, salt and light. Jesus compares the Christians to, do, to these two things. And uh, this morning, I'd like to apply what Jesus has taught uh, to us this morning. But first, in order for us to understand the importance of what salt and light gives... We must first understand uh, the condition that our world is in. Jesus says that we are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. So why would the earth need salt and why would the world need light? The Bible says, you, you can turn there if you'd like to, Romans chapter 1 and verse 28. It says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, Unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That is the condition of our world. That is where we are at. The darkness is prevalent. The corruption is prevalent. Something is wrong when abortion is rampant with over 60 million abortions since the 70s. Something is wrong when cities and states across America have made it legal to recognize a third gender on a birth certificate and on ID cards. Something is wrong when suicide uh, deaths have, have increased by 35% from 20 years ago. Something is wrong when violent riots are encouraged and approved by those that are in authority in our cities and our states. Something is wrong in America and something also is wrong in our world. And that thing is called sin. And that cure is called Jesus. And Jesus uh, calls us to be salt and a light this morning. And so we have to understand that our condition, the world that we live in, is corrupt. It's full of darkness. And that's why we need salt. And that's why we need light in our world. And that is you and that is me as Christians, followers of Christ. So what purpose? What purpose does this salt and this light have that we can uh, be made aware of what our responsibility is as a follower of Christ? As salt and light, number one, if you're taking notes, we must persuade others to receive God's gift. We must persuade others to, to, uh, to receive God's gift. Or, uh, on the light aspect, we must shine for God. We must shine for God. Salt seasons. That's probably the main purpose of salt, uh, especially today. Uh, it, without salt, uh, we know that uh, food is bland, right? Uh, salt seasons. Light draws attention. If I were to put this thing on full power this morning and set it on the front of the, the, the pulpit here, uh, you wouldn't help but to glance at that light a couple times during the message. And why is that? Because light attracts. Light uh, draws attention to and so as we look at those things here, as uh, we are to persuade others to receive God's gift, as salt uh, seasons, as law, uh, light draws attention, 
we got to understand that, well, first of all, if it didn't, as in verse 13 says, uh, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt ha have lost his savor, that flavor, that, that main purpose, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and, and to be trodden under foot of men. Now I'm going to ask, a, a, hopefully you'll be honest on this question, but if you were to go to a fast food drive-in and you were to order a large French fry, let's say from McDonald's, Anybody like McDonald's french fries in here? I tell you what, I don't care how unhealthy it is, but those things uh, fresh out of the fryer are amazing, all right? Uh, but what if you were expecting that, that wonderful, perfect McDonald's french fry straight out of the fryer, and instead you got a hot french fry, but they forgot one thing. They forgot the salt. I mean, that's 50% of that McDonald's french fry. You need the salt. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but the question is, would you just either throw away the fries or would you at least go home and try to find uh, some salt to put on those fries before you ate them? And the truth of the matter is, th that would be me, all right? I need salt on my French fries. Why? Because potatoes all by themselves, I think about a baked potato. That thing needs some seasoning, doesn't it? Some salt, pepper, some sour cream, some cheese, some bacon. Oh, glory. We're having a revival this morning. But without all those things, without the seasoning, man, that potato is bland tasteless almost. It needs the salt. And so this salt provides a, a savor. This salt provides a seasoning. If the salt has lost its savor, then it is good for nothing. It's lost its value. Back in uh, uh, history, we see the Romans, uh, and during the, the Roman Empire days, uh, salt was a, a very rare commodity. It, it was valuable to have salt. And literally, uh, the soldiers in the Roman army would be paid, uh, not all of them, but some of them would be paid with salt. And that's where we get the phrase, a man who is worth his salt, if you've heard that before. Uh, we've also, uh, that's where we get our word salary, because in the Latin, sal uh, means salt. Uh, their monthly allowance was called a, a solarium, and so we've got salaries today. I'm guessing that's where it came from. It makes sense to me. Uh, Job 6, verse 6 says, Can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? And the answer is no, there's not. And you can't eat an unsavory thing without some salt that, that adds the savory aspect to it. Uh, my sister, my sister Sarah, uh, she, uh, she's now in the great state of North Carolina with her husband. And uh, she loves salt. My grandpa loves salt. Literally, you would, you would put anything in front of her on the plate, and it doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't matter what it tastes like, how much salt you've added before, she won't even taste it before she herself puts on the salt first. And it's overkill some, uh, a lot of the times, because it's like, you know, there's like that uh, McDonald's French fry, half salt and half food. Uh, but that, my sister loves salt. She puts it on everything. And, but we need, we need uh, to have salt in our life, just like this world needs to have salt. And so let's apply this to us as Christians. Um, as Christians, our saltiness for God attracts others to Him. Think about that. God uses us to create a thirst in them. John 4 Verse 13 says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. This salt 
as we look at it, it will, uh, it, it will create a thirst in the world. They see us, think about it, they see us as Christians, and when we act like Christians, when we look like Christians, there's something in that, as we are the salt of the earth, that attracts them, that creates a hunger and a thirst that wants them to have what we have. Light is also, as we look at here, light attracts. You can go to a, a late night ball game, they got the big lights on, and uh, what do you see swarming around those, those, uh, those lights, especially in the middle of summer? You see bugs, bugs, and more bugs. Why? Because bugs are attracted to light. That's how light works. It's, it, it attracts. John Wesley said, I light myself on fire, not, not li literally, but uh, as he preaches, I light myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. Uh, verse 16 here, as we're looking at chapter 5, it says, Let your light so shine before men that, ye, uh, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The way we live our lives as Christians should attract others to Christ. So could I ask you, can others see Christ in you? Can others see God's love in you? Can others see that you care? Can others see God's grace in you? Can others see an excellent spirit in you? Can others see a passion in you? Can others see the peace of God in you during a trial? Can others see the joy of God in you during a trial? Can others see the strength of God in you during a trial? Can others see a difference in you? The Word of God tells us to be in the world, but not of the world. There is a difference. Light is different from darkness. I learned a really great truth, really deep truth in Bible college. And that truth is, things that are different are not the same. Light is different from darkness. They are not the same thing. Philippians chapter 2 says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. First John chapter 2, we know this passage here. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him, for all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Think about this fact of, of light this morning. Light can travel through darkness. Light can be surrounded by darkness. We see this, the stars in the sky at night. But light doesn't ever become darkness. What a powerful reminder this is, the fact that we in this life as Christians are just passing through. In this life, let's not drive our stakes too deep because we are just passing through. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Let's make sure that our light uh, is not uh, overcome by darkness, but that this light attracts uh, those that have been in the darkness to the light. We, uh, we have the other mentality, which uh, we're aware of with the, the hermits and, and uh, these anchorites is what they called them in the 14th century. Uh, literally, these people would take a vow and they would separate themselves from the world, like completely shut out the world. They would take a vow to, uh, to stay in a cell or a room, a locked room, 
for the rest of their life, literally. I mean, th this, it's like solitude. It's like deny yourself and be miserable so you can be holy was the thought. And they would literally take a vow to do so. And uh, uh, th there are some cases where some anchorites would try to escape because they got tired of, of, of this uh, living and they would be dragged right back to their cell. Um, but let's, as we think of that, let's not think of that extreme to remove ourselves from the world. But hey, God says that we are lights of the world. We, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't shut ourselves away from the world. We need to be in the world, but not of the world. We need to be in the world, going through the world and leading others to Christ and not hiding that light under a bushel, as uh, verse 14 and 15 says. So number one, let's persuade others to receive God's gift. Number two, preserve what is godly. Preserve what is godly. And in the light aspect, keep the lights on. Preserve what is godly and keep the lights on. Salt preserves. That's the second uh, most common use for salt is to preserve something like meat. In early America and uh, even today, the practice of using salt to preserve meat is used. Uh, we, we know about country ham around here. And uh, I tell you what, that country ham... I'll just tell this story real quick. I was, uh, I was, uh, uh, my grandparents had come from Illinois to visit uh, with us, and and so we went uh, with them to Oscars for breakfast. And and Oscars is a great place for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Can I, can I hear an amen? Uh, and uh, so we went to Oscars for breakfast, and, and it was my first time uh, having breast, uh, breakfast at Oscars. And uh, I was looking on the menu there, and, and that country ham just stuck, uh, stood out to me. I thought, you know what, I need to try that. I think that'll be good. And I convinced my grandpa to do the same. And so we both got country ham. And uh, it, it's one thing if you already know what you're expecting, but it's a whole other thing when you have no idea what country ham really is. And I, I, I took one big bite of that ham uh, with some grits, and I tell you what, that thing just blew my socks off uh, with, with the salt content. Um, but that's country ham for you, and it's preserved by salt. All right. Uh, in Bible times, salt was used to preserve food uh, in the Mediterranean Sea area. Uh, but also, uh, those that didn't have refrigerators uh, often used salt to preserve food. All right. So salt preserves. God wants us. Okay, let's apply it to us. God wants us to preserve what is holy and what is good. We see in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, Abstain from all appearance of evil. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Leviticus eleven forty four. For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify or set apart yourselves. And ye shall be holy, for I am holy." You know, God would have preserved, in Genesis chapter 19, God would have preserved Sodom and Gomorrah if He would have found some righteous people in it. The Bible says that God couldn't even find ten righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah. That light had gone out in that city. And because of their wickedness, God had to destroy them. But let us, in America, not get to that point. Let us, as Christians, to be that salt and that light for America... For this world that we can see uh, the, the, what is holy and what is good preserved. I'm talking about preserving ourselves, protecting ourselves, our family, our church. We must work 
at preserving what is good and what is holy and what God has entrusted us with. Proverbs 4, 23, Keep thy heart with all diligence. Preserve it, for out of it are the issues of life. Psalm 34, uh, uh, 13, Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Let's preserve that. Preserve our tongue. 1 Timothy 5, 22, Keep thyself pure. 1 John 5, 21, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. We must work at preserving the Bible. We must work at preserving old-time religion. We must work at preserving the next generation for Christ. And why is that in so, uh, so important? Because, hey, this is the Bible. This is the light of the world right here. This is what we have, Jesus Christ, the message of, of the gospel. We've got to work at preserving this Bible right here. Let us not give up so willingly. What literally millions of Christians have given their lives for. We look back at the Fox's Book of Martyrs, the record uh, of, of the martyrs who, who literally were burned alive at the stake because of this Bible right here. People trying to heap up Bibles, light it on fire, get rid of the Bible. The Catholic Church in the Dark Ages trying to extinguish the light so that they could be the sole ones. They, they didn't want anybody uh, to, to have the Bible in their hands. They wanted to be able to tell them what they wanted to tell them about the Bible and, uh, and interpret it however they wanted because of that, Christians paid an awful price, paid an awful price just to have this Word of God in their hands. Let's not give up what so many Christians had died for so willingly. Let's work at preserving what God has entrusted us with. John 9, 5, as long as I am in the world, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Number three, purify. Salt purifies. That's another purpose of salt. And on the, the light aspect, we've got light drives out the darkness. It dispels the darkness. All right? And that's why we usually use lights, right? We turn lights on in the house so that we're not sitting in darkness. Uh, we use a flashlight in the woods so that we don't trip and fall and, and hurt ourselves badly uh, during the nighttime. All right? So we use salt and light. Salt uh, purifies and light dispels darkness. Uh, I've never done this. Um, I probably should, but with broccoli, uh, you got little bugs and stuff in it. To get it out, you sit it in salt water for 20 minutes, and the bugs come out uh, because uh, th that that salt will purify and draw out the bugs. Gargling salt water helps a sore throat. Uh, uh, salt water also heals skin irritation and inflammation. Uh, using that during the Civil War. The medical staff of the Confederate armies did, didn't have the medical supplies that they needed. Uh, gangrene was a constant threat. And so because they didn't have what was uh, necessary, they, in, in, in uh, replacement of that, used salt to prevent infection from growing uh, in the Civil War days. As Christians, we must purify ourselves. And if we're pure, then we can go out and, and, and help dispel the darkness in this world. As Christians, we can purify ourselves through time spent in the Word of God. Could I ask you this morning, do you spend time in God's Word? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, Husbands, love your wives. That's a good thing right there. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it, that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present it to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. That's what the Word does. 
That's what the washing of the word does. It purifies the saints of God. As salt purifies, light dispels the darkness. Uh, I, I think I've shared this with you before, but um, shortly after we were married, uh, my wife and I went to uh, Silver Dollar City, Branson, Missouri. And there at Silver Dollar City, they have a, a cavern, and uh, they, they have the, it's just a huge cave where you got the stalagmites and the stalactites. And do we know the difference? No time for that. Uh, but uh, anyway, we, we were in the cavern there, and uh, it, it's amazing because when, when we went to a certain part of that cave, they turned out all the lights. Literally, it was so dark in there that you couldn't even see the hand in front of your face. And it was a darkness uh, that you could like almost feel. And as that tour guide uh, lit a candle, just one little candle in that big room, several people of us gathered in there, and uh, that little light, it was amazing what that cleared up for us. It was amazing that one little light lit up the room to where you could see your hand. You could see the people around you. Uh, I found my wife again. Oh, there you are. And it's amazing what, what one little light will do as that one light draws out, dispels the darkness in this world. Lamplighters in England, when it would, uh, the sun would start to go down on, on the uh, city there in London, uh, they would have lamplighters that would go through the city and they would uh, light those gas lamps on the, on the uh, city lights there on the, on the streets so that they would have light at night. And then they'd go back in the morning and put them out. They were called lamplighters. Um, I was uh, mentioned to Brother Graham this morning and Mrs. Graham uh, about Alaska. And there's times in the year that Alaska, certain parts, will have complete darkness for two months straight. I can't imagine living in darkness for two months. Um, but that, uh, that's Alaska there. I think of other places that are dark, uh, like, like a bar, like a nightclub. And uh, th those places are dark. Why? Well, John 3.19 says, Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That's why I believe we ought to have light in church. Amen. Uh, our uh, church should not be looking like a nightclub. Church should have lights. Uh, and, and it should be a, a place that attracts people to come. And Christ, Christ is that light that has the power to repel darkness. Uh, Proverbs 4.18 says, But the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. So we got three purposes down, one more to go. Number four, as salt and light in this world, we as Christians must purpose to live for God's glory. For the light aspect, we, we ought to shine light on God. Let's purpose to live our lives for God's glory. Uh, verse 16 there in Matthew 5, it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and say how amazing of a person you are. Now it says, And glorify your Father which is in heaven. For us as Christians, our job is not to say, Hey, look at me. I'm something special. Do you see a difference in me? Because I'm, I'm doing a lot of good here. I'm helping people here, helping people here, giving money here. Uh, that's not how it works. Uh, yes, good works, and, and I know it's a revolutionary thought, but Christians ought to do good works. Christians ought to help others. Christians ought to have a heart for people. Uh, Christians ought to have good works to show for, for their faith in Christ. Because the Bible says, without works, faith is dead. Now, faith, uh, faith is what is a requirement for us for salvation. Works is not. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 that uh, uh, not of works, lest any man should boast. All right, We understand that. Works is not a part of salvation. But yet works after salvation for the Christian is a, a necessary element in our lives. 
We must work for Christ. We must uh, do good works so that we can shine light, not on ourselves, but on God. We should do works to, to where we can glorify God with our lives. You know, it's amazing, uh, but uh, let me just uh, read this to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It's amazing how the perspective changes when we start looking at our life knowing that the life that we have is not our own. We don't deserve the life that we have. Christ gave us that life. Christ gave us that light. And so when we shine, when we let our light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and then glorify your Father which is in heaven, knowing that because we're bought with the price, because we're not our own, uh, the glory is not ours to, to have, but the glory is to be deflected to, to bring honor and, and glory to Christ. And to do so, uh, we, we have to understand that there is the source of light. God has given us this light. First uh, John 1, 5 says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Psalm uh, 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Remember the, uh, the Apostle Paul, before he got saved, walking on that road to Damascus? Uh, he, he was walking on his way to throw Christians and, and murder Christians, uh, uh, throw Christians in jail and murder Christians again, uh, just like uh, as he'd uh, done in other cities. And then all of a sudden on that road, there was a great light that shined out of heaven. And that light was so bright, was so blinding that the, the Bible records that the Apostle Paul lose, uh, lost his sight for, for a couple days. Um, but that light, as, as he heard from heaven and, and saw Christ sitting on the right hand of God, as Christ asked Saul, Saul, what are you doing? Why, why, why are you persecuting? Why are you kicking against the pricks? And that was when Saul uh, put his faith in Christ and got saved. And then he could take that light that he saw on the Damascus Road uh, to light uh, other, other uh, parts of the world with the gospel of Christ. Another source of light is not only God himself, but uh, God's word. Psalm 119 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God shows us. Uh, through His Word, what we need to work on. It illuminates our lives. It's vital for us because this is the light of God, the Word of God that, that shows us what we need to work on. We need to read it. and We need to uh, meditate on it. We need to memorize it. We need to treat this book uh, as important as it is. This Bible here was important to Johann Gutenberg. If you know his name, he was the inventor of the printing press with the movable type. And uh, as, as he invented this printing press, this was his words. He basically states the purpose of the printing press. It, he says, It is a press, certainly, but a press from which shall flow an inexhaustible stream. Through it, God will spread his word. A spring of truth shall flow from it. Like a new star, it shall scatter the darkness of ignorance and cause a light heretofore unknown to shine amongst men. That was the purpose why he invented the printing press, was to get the word of God into as many hands as he could, because he wanted to see the light of God's word shine in homes across the world as, as salt and light. 
as I close, we, we as salt and light, if we're to acknowledge our role, our responsibility as salt and light, we realize that there is much work to do. The workload is great and it's getting heavier as the days go by. You know, I, I think of um, postal workers and, and delivery drivers. My, my father-in-law was a, a postal uh, worker, uh, worked for several years, retired from the post office. And uh, he w- would often tell uh, Grace and I, as we, we would talk with them, how that he'd have to work extended hours, longer hours, and just had a lot to do and a lot to cover. And uh, I, I think it's with Amazon and Walmart.com and and all the other online shopping now is just so prevalent. There's a whole lot more packages uh, today to deliver. And uh, so as the postal workers have a, a larger load, a, a, a more packages to, to deliver, we can think about the same thing for us. This world is not getting any brighter as far as uh, what, what outside of Christ. We've got to realize that our workload is so heavy. Our workload is getting more and more uh, as, as the day goes by. So, what do we do? Just, okay, I guess it's just too much work to do. I, I'm just going to hang it up and go home and do, do what I want for the rest of my days until Jesus comes back. We've got work to do. And because of that, we must work hard. And we must live each day with a renewed desire to accomplish much for Christ. That is the purpose of salt and light. That is the purpose that we as Christians need to be. Let's preserve that which is holy and good. Let's, let's shine a light and dispel the darkness in this world. But let's also uh, be, be able through our lives to bring others to Christ. When people see you this week, will they see a light that attracts them and, and, and uh, makes them ask the question, what, what is, how are you so happy? Don't you realize we're in the middle of a pandemic? Don't you realize that the news is terrible? Politics is falling apart. Don't you realize? Yes, but God is still on the throne. And we can let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.